This program, of course, is presented by Pro Wrestling Illustrated, the most widely read, widely sold, and respected wrestling magazine in the world today. This is the Pro Wrestling Illustrated Podcast. I'm your host, PWI Senior Writer Al Castle. I'm going to be joined in a few moments by my co-host, Brian Solomon. And of course, we're going to be talking all things WrestleMania. Uh, I was there in Dallas for a few days, caught both nights of WrestleMania. And um, quick spoiler alert, we both really enjoyed the show, and we're going to break it all down uh, here coming up. Going through all the key matches, big angles, Roman Reigns becoming the unified champion, Cody Rhodes debuting in WWE, uh, Steve Austin coming out of retirement, and so much more. We talk about uh, what uh, really over-deliver on expectations, a couple of matches and segments that disappointed, and overall where we think um, this WrestleMania kind of ranks up there with the great WrestleManias uh, of all time. So uh, very much a long-form discussion, strap in, uh, a lot of fun. Uh, and uh, so stay tuned for that. Real quick, before that, let me tell you about the latest issue of Pro Wrestling Illustrated. It has got now the former WWE Women's uh, Raw Champion, Becky Lynch, uh, on the cover. Uh, she's back in the hot seat for an interview with uh, our own Chris Nashley. And uh, this magazine is uh, loaded with lots of fun features. we got features on Matt Cardona, on Team Taz, on Nikki A.S.H., on Shane Strickland, and so much more. Head over to pwi-online.com to pick it up. Uh, whether you want just the one issue, you could download it right away to your computer or your phone or your mobile device. Uh, or you can uh, order the uh, print edition, have it delivered to your home. Uh, either way, obviously, the way to go is to subscribe. You could save over half off the cover price. Uh, absolutely the way to go. Head over to pwi hyphen online.com uh, completely redesigned uh, PWI so much there you can listen to the podcast subscribe to it uh, read stories from um, the magazine you can pick up back issues you can uh, look at our ratings we've got our cover history look back over 40 years of PWI covers uh, our blog the PWI weekly uh, so much more links to uh, pick up Pro Wrestling Illustrated shirts and uh, so much more uh, again, the place to go is pwi-online.com. All right, joined now by my co-host, Brian Solomon. How's it going, Brian? Going very well. I'm still on a WrestleMania high, and I'm just uh, just loving wrestling and excited to talk about it. Good. You're in a good mood. I think I am, uh, too. Uh, a WrestleMania, a good WrestleMania, uh, tends to do that. Uh, I, I just came back from there. I was in Dallas for uh, four days. For the show, did SmackDown Hall of Fame both nights at WrestleMania, all that. Uh, had had a really good time, uh, but I know being there can sometimes kind of give you a, a biased point of view uh, of the show. I remember doing the podcast with Dan Murphy years ago when he went, and I watched from home, and this was the one in Orlando, and he raved about it, and I thought it wasn't such a great WrestleMania. So, uh, hmm. very interested. You watching from home? What did you think of the show? I think it was one of the best. It's 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 up there. You know, I know people always like to uh, kind of like do these rankings and things, but I, I don't know if I think I need a little more distance, but easily, easily among the top uh, 10 WrestleManias of all time, I would say for sure. Uh, maybe even top five. I mean, it was incredible. It was really, you know, obviously you had and, and everybody points this out. You had night one was stronger than night two, of course. Mm-hmm. 
But but you know, I mean, that's always going to happen when you have shows that are multiple nights. Uh, yeah, I mean, night one was a little stronger, but overall, taking it all together, it was one of the. I've been watching WrestleMania since the beginning, and this was, in my opinion, one of the best ones. Yeah, I, I really agree. Certainly one of the best in the last. I mean, I was sort of trying to quantify it, too, and you don't want to be, like, hyperbolic, you know, greatest of all time. And like you said, I think you need some distance. But at the very least, you could look at the last five years, ten years, yes. and you and you got to go back a ways. I mean, I think uh, 30 in New Orleans was really good. The one uh, the year after that, 31, with Sting and, and Rollins cashing in at the end of the night was really good. But since then, I think we've had a lot of disappointing WrestleManias, and this one was, was a lot of fun. I think it checked all the boxes of what you want out of a WrestleMania in terms of, you know, the the great action in the ring and the returns and the celebrities and the spectacle and the grandeur, the WrestleMania moments. I think this was just chock full of them. Um, I, I very much agree that that um, night two was not as strong as, as night one. At the end of night one, I was, you know, it's absolutely raving. And, and, and uh, I thought, I mean, if this was WrestleMania, and there wasn't a night two. It might be the best WrestleMania. It it was um, that good. I think night two dragged it down some. Not that it was a bad show, but it didn't have the highs that the the first night uh, had. Um, but but big picture, one thing I want to talk to you about, and and uh, I, I think you'd have some interesting insight in this, having work there. And I think this is the case every year, and especially if if you go to WrestleMania, it's sort of this annual reminder that for um, as hot as AEW is and the, the momentum that they have, there is still a pretty sizable gulf between number one and, and number two. And I think WrestleMania is kind of the, the annual reminder that we are on a different level. Um, and when you see everything that goes into that weekend, when, you know, your, your plane touches down and, and you're at the airport and there's WrestleMania signs everywhere and you're driving around the city and, and every other lamppost has a WrestleMania poster, and every uh, uh, WWE-branded event that you go to, you just see hundreds or or literally thousands of uh, WWE personnel, you know, dressed up to the nines, just scurrying around, taking care of things. Uh, you know, for, for as much as I, I think we all, rightfully so, get on, on Vince McMahon for saying, you know, we're not in the pro wrestling business, what we do is something else. I think shows like this kind of make that point that, you know, they are not just another wrestling company. They they really are on a different level. They are at a different level. I mean, I always take issue w- when Vince would say that because I, I think it's just, you just have to broaden your definition of sure. what pro, pro wrestling is. You know what I mean? Like pro wrestling includes this, you know, this is, it, it, you know, this is part of what it is. This is it at its highest level certainly in terms of <clears throat> business wise and in terms of reach and um you know the thing is and and I think we've qualified it this way in the past before when you're talking about the two companies I don't think anybody's going to argue that right now AEW is the number one wrestling company I don't I don't think Tony Khan would even say that no one would say that but the issue has been for the past year or two years it's the momentum it seems to be that AEW had the positive momentum and WWE was having some of that negative momentum where you could see how years down the road you could actually see the companies potentially trading places. But that is a ways off. And a, and a big part of the reason for that is because they've had so many years to build and build and build and grow. You know, if you compare this WrestleMania to the early WrestleManias, there's no comparison. I mean, none. I mean, that's like 
that's like going to a little league ball game compared to what they do now. You know, even the the first few WrestleManias, and and even you know even the really huge ones like three and six, they didn't have the same level of build up around it and other events happening and the level of um, just the whole corporate structure and the marketing that goes into it. You know, there's been so much. Um, progress made over the years. I will say, you know, obviously when I talk about this momentum issue and this is big, something bigger than WrestleMania, um, this, this Cody thing, I know we're going to get to it, but uh-huh. it gives you pause because it really make, makes you kind of want to reserve judgment and start and see, well, okay, now this really is a war. This is an absolute war that's going on and I don't know where it's going to lead and I don't know how it's going to end, you know? So it's like, um, it, it, it added another layer of must see, to WrestleMania for sure. It was, that was the definition of a WrestleMania moment. The the kind of thing that, you know, you don't really get that much anymore because you don't have a lot of companies and and huge names that don't work for WWE. You don't. And lately it's just been an exodus out of the company. So it's been a long time since WrestleMania really had a moment like that of a major star appearing, you know, from outside the company. It's, it's certainly been a while. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, you use the word a bunch of times there, and, and I think it's one of the, the key words that I sort of took away from this event. Momentum. This this felt like a momentum shift, uh, uh, this WrestleMania. Again, it felt like sort of a reminder that we are uh, uh, the big leagues, and we can go uh, even bell to bell in terms of match quality as much as anybody. And uh, we saw some terrific matches in there. And I think Cody had a lot to do with that, uh, not just his match, but in as much as you touched on, you know, th- there is this kind of war brewing. Um, it was uh, a, a huge battle to win to have one of the guys who uh, was so identified with AEW uh, be one of of uh, the the central images and the, and the kind of the lasting images of this WrestleMania. I mean, I think when people look back on WrestleMania 38, it will be one of the things, if not the thing, uh, maybe up there with Steve Austin that that they uh, really remember, and maybe even more so was uh, Cody's debut, especially if he ends up being the difference maker um, that that uh, I know WWE hopes that he'll be, and 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 I think fans as well, and, and we'll talk about him more. Uh, in a moment, I think there's a lot to say about him, especially after um, Monday night. Uh, but let's back up a, a moment. Um, let, let's talk about uh, the main event, as you touched upon. You know, we can have two nights, uh, but at the end of the day, there there is, or, or at the end of the two days, there is one match that ends the show, and it was Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. They called it the biggest WrestleMania match of all time. Uh, the title unification about, uh, not surprisingly, Roman Reigns uh, comes out with with both titles. Uh, I got to say, I mean, I, it, maybe disappointment is too strong a word, but this was not one of the big highlights uh, of the show. You know, for me, uh, we've seen this match so many times. They have a certain kind of match that uh, that they work. And um, I, I think the hope, the expectation was that we, we you know, they'd bring it up to another level at WrestleMania. And they kind of did it. This was just kind of another Roman Reigns, uh, Brock Lesnar match. I don't even... I, I don't think it was their best match or even one of their better ones. It was fine, uh, a little clumsy in spots. There was some miscommunication, uh, a little anticlimactic. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, it, it felt like a big deal uh, being there. Uh, I think Roman winning uh, was the right call, and, and I think that felt like a big deal and really solidified that he's kind of on a different level and he's just sort of um, uh, this giant-headed, you know, ego trip uh, the uh, tribal chief who, who, who somebody has to put in, in his place. 
um, you know, the whole God mode thing, uh, you took it to another level, but, but as a match, as a main event, again, I don't know if, if I'd go so far as to say, uh, disappointing, maybe it's the right word in as much as I was hoping for, for more and, and it wasn't, it was just, okay. Well, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I, I didn't mind it. I, I didn't mind it being short and to the point, uh, I mean, I didn't love it when I say I didn't mind it, but, but, you know, it was, to me, it was a, it was a welcome break from the other end of that spectrum, which is like, I have to be very honest, something like Edge and AJ Styles, which is like where, yeah, these guys are clearly working their their butts off and it goes on and on and on and on, but it's kind of boring. And you're mm-hmm. just going like, all right, this is like two robots fighting and when is this going to end? And at least, the you know, Reigns and, and Brock, it, it's kind of the antithesis, the antithesis of that where – it's just these explosive moments, a, a series of explosive moments like Brock's matches usually are. And I, I, I thought it was a good change of pace. I was wondering, and I know a lot of people were too, about Roman's arm. You know, I, I don't know if that was a work or what. There apparently were some pictures of where his arm seemed to be pretty messed up after the Kimura. And I was almost wondering if they cut to the finish quickly because of that. You know, I came away from it in hindsight going, you know what? I think they probably should have closed both nights with Austin. I really think that nothing could have followed that, even with the McMahon, you know, the stunner and all that. I think that um, I I don't even think your world title match was enough to follow that. I think that was they maybe should have closed both shows that way. But, of course, that would mean uh, in as much as Austin coming out the second night was a surprise, setting that up would mean headlining, you know, closing the show with true. Pat McAfee and Austin Theory. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah. And I, I think that another reason why, too, they made sure they put it last is because I really do firmly believe that they wanted people to think that The Rock was coming out, for sure. Yeah, and there was definitely some of that in the building. Um, right. And The first. Rock himself was sending out these kind of cryptic tweets and things, playing along with it. Um, so I think that's another reason why they had to have insisted that the world title match go last. I, I know after uh, uh, Roman won and, you know, you, you you know, you're dealing with an hour of getting out of the parking lot and all that stuff. So you want to get out of there as fast as you can, but you'd also don't want to miss something. So I know uh, myself included and a lot of people around me were just kind of standing around and Roman, you know, gets to the back of the ramp and you're just waiting and you're waiting. And then he disappears out the back and Brock's still in, in the ring and you're sort of waiting anything happened with Brock. And, and after uh, the show went off, uh, he basically just sort of shrugged it off and they played his music and he walked out and then that was it. And, and it wasn't a letdown in that they didn't, they didn't promise anything, but right. there was uh, certainly the hope, I think among some fans that, that we yeah. would get that and, and we did not And I uh, think that the match being short, I don't know if this was intentional, but the match being so abrupt, it almost added fuel to the fire of going, okay, I understand Something why. Something else is going to happen, yeah. Yeah, this is why this match seems so short and seems to have ended so quickly. It's because something big is happening after it that's going to kind of overshadow the match. And and that didn't happen. But, you know, that's okay. I mean, like I said, I, I don't think it – it certainly would have – you know, that moment would improve any show. But uh, I think I think it was still an amazing – a very, very fun two nights, for that, sure. That spear to the back or to the side, did that look as come off as weird on TV as it did on, on in person? It just seemed like 
kind yes. of mistiming or miscommunication. It, it to me, it seemed like Brock was out of position. But then I don't know why why Reigns went for it if he was so out of position. It looked weird, but you know, I I really kind of think that that was the planned spot, at, and really? I think it was planned to be weird. That that's just the way the way I feel about it because. Then what you started seeing was Brock was selling the ribs and selling the, his mm. side because of the weird fall. And I'm watching it going, okay, this is sort of telegraphing the finish because I see what's going to happen now. He's he, he he's wincing and holding in his side. And so all Roman has to do is hit him with another one of those and it will be completely understandable how he would be able to pin him. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. Did did you uh, expect, did you hope that that – Heyman would and 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 uh, if I remember correctly, he did play into the finish, but it just felt like after all this months of of build up, this almost sort of like love triangle between uh, <laughs> between the three of them, that that there would have been a bigger payoff to that than than there was, right. and there there really wasn't. I don't think there was enough, but I will say, and I think this was something that was definitely much more for the TV audience. I I can I can guarantee it probably didn't play live, but I don't know if you've seen the match, the televised version, but the moment where. Heyman just very subtly right from right out of the frame. He just nudges the rope like an inch. Yes, that was great. Towards yeah. Roman's hand with his finger. And it be, and it wound up the turning point of the match because you're going, there's no way he's getting out of this hold. <laughs> he's going to tap. And then that happens. I mean, that was awesome. It was so subtle and, and little that I loved it. I, I absolutely loved it. Yeah, I got a big kick out of that. So, so uh, um, you know, and 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 not to be too kayfabe here, but uh, does does this match and and um, the fact that Roman Reigns headlines another huge WrestleMania, and I think they say this is like his sixth main event uh, so far, um, does he start to get in the conversation of um, well, well, I would say, does he start to get in the conversation of an all-time great? You know, uh, we, we before Reigns, we had Cena. I think Cena undoubtedly belongs in that all-time great um, category in that he he carried the, the company on his shoulders for whatever it was, 12, 15 years. Uh, Roman Reigns has now been the top guy for many, many years. But the reality is that the first several years of that, it's kind of a disappointment. But but now um, we've had this Roman Reigns, which is such a fantastic act and just sort of getting more polished by the day. Um, where do you think he now is in the conversation of, you know, the pantheon of WWE legends? Well, I think he is on the trajectory to be on that list of all-time greats, for sure. Mm -hmm. He's not there, but he's on the trajectory. And and the re only reason I say he's not there is it's just it's a time issue. You know, you got it, it. It just hasn't been long enough, especially because in the early years he was kind of a disaster. And so, you know, but but the trajectory he's on for sure. And what he is right now, and what kind of recommends him to that list is he is currently the era-defining star of WWE. So like. He's the guy on that list. If you go like, okay, you know, Buddy Rogers, Bruno San Martino, you know, Bob Backlund, Hulk Hogan, Bret Hart, Steve Austin, that whole list, right? You get to John Cena, and then the name after that has got to be Roman Reigns. You, you know what I mean? Like he, yeah. he's he's on that list as far as that goes for sure. He is he will be looked back on, assuming that his run here continues. Clearly as the man who defined this particular era of WWE. And that's a very big deal. 
I, I think that was going to be the case anyway because he was pushed so hard. I think what's changed over uh, the, the last year or two is that uh, it, it's sort of positive, right? I mean, uh, uh, before it was more kind of a, a Lex Express kind of thing, right? Where <laughs> yes, yes. Th- he was defining the error because they were they were forcing it, um, but it was sort of against the fans' will. Uh, and and now I think I I, I think um, he was defining the error before, just in as much as he was the top guy, he was pushed at the top guy. Uh, in the company for a long time. Now, I think he's sort of creating an error, right? I mean, I th- I think we'll remember this run from Roman Roman Reigns well, and I think it's sort of shaping what WWE looks like for for yeah. these years, and in in a, a a really good way. I mean, and and even when we've been down on WWE product for the last couple of years, and and it's been at times really difficult to watch. Uh, Roman Reigns, I, I think, and I said it before, I, I think he's the best performer in all of wrestling. I know in a few weeks, uh, I think we're going to be sitting down to talk uh, PWI 500 uh, again. To me, he's a slam dunk. Yes. Uh, we're we're tipping our hands, but I'll, I'll agree. I'll agree <laughs> I, I mean, it's going to be a conversation. No, I'll agree with you. I don't see that. anybody else uh, no uh, who, who's in the conversation. Yeah. Right. No uh, question. And, and and there's no sign of, of much changing. Let me ask you this. So we, we some come out on, on Monday Night Raw of the next night. Pretty quick promo, just kind of uh, uh, boasts a little bit about his victory and says uh, on, on Friday, I'll sort of talk about uh, what's next. Um, what what do you think is next? I, it, it, my sense is that they will transit, that, that Brock is is done. That's yes. put in, in, in the past. And they're going to move into something that maybe is not as big a deal. M- more of kind of a placeholder feud whether maybe it's uh, a Drew McIntyre or something like that. Um, and, and we'll talk about this later, uh, uh, but clearly I think they're setting up for a clash with Cody. Uh, yes. I, I think that's a little further down the line, right? Right. That's. I mean, you can tell by the way they started setting it up because with Cody on Raw because, you know, Cody is talking about his desire to become, you know, WWE champion and how his father never did it and that whole thing, which I think is a great angle, but he never mentions Roman Reigns, right? He never directly calls out Roman Reigns, mentions him by name, nothing like that. So it's more like a, a, of an abstract, like I want to be the champion. That's why I came here rather than like, I want Roman Reigns. So like they'll get to that, but it's not there yet. Like you're right. It's, it's not quite there yet. And I, and I don't think you want it to be there yet. Cause you kind of have to, Build it. You don't want to waste something like that. I mean, I that, they don't, yeah. it's a great built-in angle. And, you know, <laughs> I haven't said this anywhere, but I was thinking about it today. And I don't know if you would call this brilliant or <laughs> or double dealing or what on Cody's behalf. But he was, you know, because people have been calling him hypocritical because in AEW, he particularly, especially took himself out of the world title picture. And now he's saying, all I want to be is world champion, right? But but the, the the brilliant thing is he was already planting the seeds. I don't know if intentionally or not. Even in AEW, when he cut that promo about how they took the title away from his daddy in Madison Square Garden and how he always wanted to hold that belt, he said that in an AEW ring. So he, he's, he's already building the angle 
that he's now carrying with him in WWE of, you know, my father never became WWF world champion. He got cheated. You know, he went on to become the NWA world champion and all this. But the thing he really wanted was that WWE title. And now I'm going to win it on his behalf. Like that was almost already starting to brew before he even left AEW. I I think what that tells you is that that's real, right? Yes. That that, that he really feels that way. Um, And and it really is on on his mind and and has been for um, some time. Um, uh, We can talk about this more in in a moment. But uh, as as we've both talked about, uh, clearly, I don't know if the plan, but the hope is uh, Dwayne Johnson and Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. We still don't know whether that's even viable, right? I mean, it, it's Dwayne Johnson. He's the biggest movie star uh, in the world. Um, he, neither he nor WWE has really said anything publicly to suggest that is the plan. Um, I think it's the hope. But short of that, yeah. uh, to me, I think they might have a WrestleMania main event here uh, in, in Cody and, and Roman Reigns. And... Uh, like with Brock years ago, when it was just building, 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 and you know that 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 snowball kind of going down the mountain and picking up uh, momentum. The question was like, well, who is the guy who's going to topple him? And it's got to be just the right guy, right? I mean, um, to to uh, uh, you know, cash in like all this equity that they've built. It it's got to be meaningful. And there really wasn't anybody in the WWE roster um, that that you saw who was that guy. And I think uh, I feel and, and look, I may feel differently about this in, in six months, uh, but but certainly coming off this weekend, it feels like Cody might be that guy. Yeah, you know, I I almost think like I've said this before, and I know you don't agree with me on this, but I think with Rock, the move has to be that Roman wins in a match like that. I, I don't believe it would do anybody any favors to have the rock win and become the champion and all that stuff. Like to kind of do like what they did with CM Punk, which kind of felt at that time, like the right thing to do. But I think in this case, I think the rock really should be treated as the ultimate kind of obstacle that Roman vanquishes to truly say, I am a God, like no one can stop me. Like that's the ultimate level. Like the the rock is the final boss. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. But with Cody, it's a different dynamic because I think in that scenario, Cody should win. I mean, that's, that's the story to tell for sure that then it becomes, you know, with rock, it becomes Roman struggle, even as a heel Roman struggle to establish himself as head of the table. But with Cody, the story is really Cody's journey to win the title that his dad never won. So, I mean, to have him lose that, especially someone at his level, would be really weird. So I, so I almost wonder if – I can't imagine them waiting this long, but I feel like if they are going to do Rock, that Rock should be first before Cody. But, I mean, if, the, if they're talking about <laughs> yeah, next WrestleMania, yeah. I can't see them waiting that long. You know what I mean? They're going to have to pull the trigger at some point. I, I don't I, – I, I'm telling you, part of me wonders if they're doing Cody versus Roman at uh, a backlash, you know. Oh, God, uh, I, please, I, no. You know, don't even say it out loud, Al. <laughs> we, we just know that, that how sort of, like, impulsive they could be and uh, uh, not, not you know, uh, being able to, to wait and having that long game. Uh, but, but a couple of things on your point. I, I, uh, the only reason I would have uh, potentially The Rock beat Roman Reigns 
uh, is so you can run it back, sort of like what they did with with Cena uh, years okay. ago. And then you've got two huge WrestleMania main events instead of just one. If you just have the one, then I agree that Roman um, sh- should vanquish uh, The Rock. What I uh, and, and before this weekend, I wasn't even thinking about this. But, but what I like about the Cody Roman, uh, the potential of that match is that. Uh, it's sort of like The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels years ago, the 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 light versus the dark. And the idea that they both come from these wrestling families, but one has really sort of perverted what it means to be uh, in, in a wrestling of, a family and his legacy. And, and again, the, he's so big headed. He, he sort of represents uh, everything that that is bad about uh, 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 wrestling uh, dynasties. And, and I don't mean it's. In, in real life, I think he's fantastic, right. but that's the character. And and Cody, um, you know, is is everything um, that that is right about wrestling dynasties and carrying on that uh, lineage and trying to make his father proud. And it'd be great if if by then maybe Dustin could be in the mix, um, in in the in the company, and Brandy is there, and and all of that. Um, you can just imagine how special that moment could feel, you know, if you got these two wrestling families that represent uh, two kind of polar uh, opposites uh, on, on such a big stage. I mean, I get chills just thinking about it. I think it, I think it could be fantastic. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, if that's the backup plan to, to The Rock, I, I think it's a good one. Um, so uh, uh, let's let's back up. Why don't we talk about Cody since we're, we're, we're on the subject? You know, you and I and I think a lot of people – we're nervous that they were not going to go with the the obvious predictable thing, which was Cody and <laughs> Seth's in the ring and the place goes quiet. And, um, you know, I think there are a lot of like fingers crossed, you know, just play his music. Let's let's not, you know, right. let's not go for any swerves. And, and they did. And it was it was the AEW presentation through and through. Uh, which is very off-brand uh, for for Vince McMahon, and we heard this is what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I mean, it was a home run, right? I mean, I, I don't think yeah. you could ask for. Uh, uh, I, I had goosebumps. You know, it it, it was uh, such an incredible uh, moment, and then followed up with a terrific match. Uh, Seth deserves all the credit uh, uh, in in the world. Not that he carried Cody, but but he more than did his part. Cody felt like a a, a rock star. It was just everything you wanted it to be. Yeah, and and I mentioned this on Twitter that this it's such a very rare thing. I can it's hard to even think of other examples where you have someone who is brought in who's a major star who they don't tamper with in any way, shape, or form. And I mean in any way. That means the name, the music, the outfit, the presentation, everything. You know, what immediately came to mind to me as the closest I could think of was Ric Flair, but even that got tampered with, you know, the, he wasn't called the nature boy. He, his music was slightly different. His, right. He got Bobby Heenan as a manager. Yeah. He, back a little bit. he, 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 you know, they didn't have him in the suits and the, and the sunglasses. It, it was, it was slightly tweaked and there have been others, you know, like the road warriors were basically the same, except they were called the Legion of doom and they had, but they, but again, even they, they had different music, but with, um, with this, it was like, he walked out of Daly's place. Yeah. He, he walked across the street and went into AT&T Stadium. I mean, that's what it felt like. Yeah. And 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 uh, I always uh, liked the music, but, but never really listened to it. So after the show, I, I pulled up the lyrics. And if you read the lyrics, it, it's I don't want to say it's like a, a diss to WWE, but 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 it is sort of like the, the F you to WWE. Right. The, the, the whole song. So it's incredible that they're playing this song. Well, uh, at, at WrestleMania. Um, where, where he's talking about, you know, you took it all away and, and all that. And, and, 
and uh, he's going to make it uh, without you and in spite of you. And and it really is uh, uh, just kind of closing that loop. You think about Cody leaving years ago and and that list that went viral on social media of, of his kind of to-do list and how he, he really like went through it. I, I don't think it it's uh, exaggerating to say he he revolutionized wrestling um, in, in those few years. I think he um, I don't think there's an AEW without uh, Cody Rhodes uh, and is now back. It's kind of the conquering hero um, They kept on calling him the prodigal son. I thought that's fitting for, for the storyline they're, they're telling. And uh, yeah, it was just th- that's a WrestleMania moment. Yeah, it, it absolutely was. And I mean, even the, the beginning of the music when he says, uh, you know, wrestling has more than one royal family. I mean, just it, it, yeah. <laughs> it's incredible that they left it alone. And it also made the only conclusion I can come to. Because there have been many people, many people who would have benefited greatly as a, you know, from a marketing standpoint if they didn't tamper with them, but they did it anyway. So I think in Cody's case, it has to be that these were all conditions of his signing. It absolutely has to be where he said, look, and he knew how valuable he was. He knew the leverage he had. He knew what it would mean in this war. And he said, look, here's what I want. I want, I want the music. I want the outfit. You're not going to change my name. This is what I want. I want. I want to be able to do this, that, the other thing. You know, and and I think they were like, "Yep, okay, you got it. Whatever you want." I really think that's what happened. Yeah, and 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 what's amazing is for for really since there's been an AEW, um, so much of the narrative has been, you know, WWE stars going over to AEW, doing so great, getting the presentation that they didn't get in WWE, and fans and critics sort of saying. How did you let this guy go? You know, how did you blow this? And this really felt like in reverse. I mean, when you see when you see Cody and what a star he is and what a great match um, he put on. And and again, now we're talking about the potential uh, of him uh, uh, headlining at WrestleMania against Roman Reigns and what would be the biggest match in wrestling. And you think and we don't know the ins and outs exactly what happened there. But but you can't help but think, you know, Tony Khan, how did you let this guy go? How did you blow this? Right. And, you know, the the difference with Cody, I think the difference maker with him as a as a performer, I mean, obviously his size worked against him in the past. We all know that was one of the reasons why um, he WWE wasn't giving him a chance is that he wasn't seen as being big enough. But the thing that he has going for him and you saw it in AEW, you saw it in the match with Seth, he has this gift that his father had, not to the same degree, I mean, no one had it to the degree that Dusty Rhodes had it, but the ability to make you believe and to make you emotionally invest, to make you feel the real emotion, even if it may not be always his own real genuine emotion, Mm -hmm. because look, wrestling is a work, but to be able to tap into things like any great performer, a great singer who's singing an emotional song, even if they're not feeling that emotion for real, quote unquote, in that moment, they can make you feel that they are, they can do that. They can create that. He can do that. And, and, you know, that's why that match to me was the flip side again of the edge and AJ styles, where it was like Cody and Seth, just like edge and AJ styles, incredibly proficient, incredibly athletic, one match will be talked about for years and years. The other match will not at all. Probably won't even yeah. be talked about a month from now because of the emotion and the passion that was going on in there. And and that's why I laugh, too, when sometimes I see the responses 
on Twitter and everywhere else of people feeling like they're being emotionally manipulated and Cody, Cody is a phony and why is it, you know, this is ridiculous and he's trying to, and I'm going, you know, <laughs> the difference is he's actually doing what wrestlers are supposed to yeah, do. It's train, say your pairs, eat your vitamins, right? And you yeah. are used to, and yeah. when I say you, I mean, so many of the fans, they're used to this really, really bad stilted promos and really bad uh, kind of presentations of uh, wrestlers that just aren't up to the task or aren't being given the material. And it's stuff that you can clearly see through and you can see the artifice and you can see the the work. Whereas when you get someone that's as good as it, at it as this, who is not being given material he doesn't believe in, that's when it actually works the way it's supposed to work. So, so that feeling of 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 being uh, your emotions being manipulated is what's supposed to be happening. Right. You Absolutely, know? yeah, yeah. He's uh, inspirational. I mean, I think that's yes. the word, and 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 that's what his father was. I remember, uh, I, I you were probably working for WWE at the time. Uh, uh, Dusty's a uh, Hall of Fame induction in yes. Chicago. I was there for it, and uh, uh, Dustin who everybody knew, uh, inducted him, along with this other young kid who who most fans were seeing for the first time and um, I don't think had even begun training, and he stole the show, right? I mean, That's he, right. He, he cut this amazing promo, and you saw, wow, this guy's got more of Dusty in him in some ways than Dustin does. You know, you're uh, very and, right. You're, you're, and and yeah, all these on. years later, yeah, I mean, that promo on Monday night, I was on the plane uh, uh, watching it flying back, and... I mean, one of the best promos in the history of WWE. I mean, I was just blown away. And and honestly, for Cody, it, it I don't want to uh, exaggerate too much, but it's almost just another promo. This is what he does. And this is what he did in AEW time and time again. Um, and, and like you said, I, I don't know if it's real or it's put on, but, but in either case, it's incredibly effective. And uh, he just right. has a, a way of, of pulling at the heartstrings and inspiring when he's telling that story about... Uh, the, the picture on his dad's dresser and, and how that day at eight years old, he told himself he's going to win that title and, and give it and, and show it to his dad. And he can't do that because the dream's not here anymore. And still, he's going to do it for himself. And he can do it for the fans and he's going to do it for the American dream. And it's like, holy cow, what right. what I hope uh, and maybe it's too much to hope is that um, this is a wake up call for Vince McMahon and to and for WWE to let these guys go, let them be themselves. I mean, imagine Cody on Monday night with a scripted promo. Uh, it, it, it wouldn't have been nearly as memorable. That's what made it stand out. It, it yeah. didn't feel like a Monday Night Raw promo. It felt like an AEW promo, especially yeah. one of his, because that's what they let them do over there, and that's one of their strongest suits, is they let the guys talk from the heart. They give them the trust to do that. And, and you know, it, it, it felt like, it, it was out of place, but in a good way, you know, and that's why, like you said, it's, it's one of those most memorable promos and it, you know, look, I mentioned dusty roads before here. Here's what I mean when I say there's nothing wrong with trying to create a real emotional response. When dusty roads would give these impassioned promos, he was performing. I mean, right. I think that's what people forget when he's talking about hard times and getting getting laid off from IBM and getting a watch and a kick in the pants and all that stuff. I mean, you feel it in your heart. Mm -hmm. But but that is the man performing. I mean, you know, Dusty. We if you know, especially knowing about Dusty Rhodes and the history of the business and his role, 
you know, there was the other side of him. He was a businessman. He was a booker. He could sometimes be a little ruthless behind the scenes. You know, he, he wasn't always what you would expect by what you saw on television. I mean, he didn't even talk that way in real life. So, I mean, like he was creating a persona and he was creating emotion in a very authentic way. And that's what Cody, even, even, even if, you know, there's only one Dusty Rhodes, but that's at least what Cody is trying to do. He's trying to emulate what his dad did in his own way. Yeah, yeah. It's a little bit of a tangent, but it just comes to mind. You know, so many people over the last few weeks are are uh, talking about Will Smith for, for all the wrong reasons. We saw this really kind of ugly side of, of a guy that, that people, a lot of people looked up to um, uh, over the Oscars. But you watch his performance in, in that movie where uh, he's welling up with tears and he's talking about how his his daughter is, is representing more than her family out in the tennis court. She's re- representing every little black girl in, in the country. And it's just an incredible performance. Clearly, you know, that's not, and this isn't even a put down, but but that is a performance. Uh, he he was he was putting on a performance and knocked it out of the park, and 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 that's what Cody is able to do. Um, and it's funny because just a few weeks ago, when when this news broke, it seemed unthinkable that Cody would be in WWE, and now in a, a roundabout way, it almost feels like a better fit. In in that, um, you know, Cody's a really good worker in the ring, but he's not you know, uh, uh, the Young Bucks or Kenny Omega or anything like that. What he always brought to the table was this this ability to tell stories and to uh, emote. And um, you could argue that that skill set is is a better fit for WWE than than AEW, which, you know, has put um, the, the premium on athleticism. Um, I, I don't want to say over storytelling, but um, you know, I, I, you think about Cody's best matches, you think about that match between Cody and Dustin um, at, at the first uh, AEW show, that, that one match of the year, uh, bell to bell, move for move, it wasn't this incredible match because of the, the athleticism, it was because of the storytelling ability. Right. Uh, and, and again, WWE has, has when it's been at its best, it, it's put a premium on that, and, and I think, um, uh, you know, they've got the right guy now, and, and hopefully they realize that. Uh, yeah, I, I always looked forward to Cody's matches in AEW, especially the big pay-per-view ones, because for for all of the shortcomings that I would sometimes find in AEW matches, how, you know, it can just be a spot fest where sometimes things don't make sense and it's just everybody trying to get their stuff in, that his matches felt to me, and I even said this back then, this is not any flip-flop or anything, his matches always felt like, okay, now I'm watching a, a, a real actual wrestling match, you know, mm-hmm. you know like, because yeah. it had the psychology, it had, like, the thought process of there's more than just what moves can I do, you know? So, like, you know, like you mentioned the Dustin match, the other one that really stands out to me was the Jericho match, yeah. where that came at the end of, I think it was the last match of one of them, and it just stood out so much from the rest of the show, not because the rest of the show was bad, but because it, it, you stop all of a sudden and go, oh, I, I almost forgot. Like, th- this is kind of, this is what a wrestling match is. Like, they're putting things together logically, and there's emotion building, and there's high points and low points, and people are selling, and all these kind of things you can really sink your teeth into. Um, yeah, I, I always loved watching him. Like I said, I really think the only thing that shortchanged him in WWE, why they wouldn't give him a chance, was his size. And, yeah. and, and that, thankfully, and they're tiny. over that. 
He's no. not. A, he's not a little guy, but he's just not this huge. He's not he Drew McIntyre, you know. Right in yeah. their mind, he has. The, you know what I mean? Especially like in the old days, or however you want to put it, he has the look of like intercontinental champion in their mind. Yeah, you know and I mean? and that could be an issue with with Roman because Roman is so big. And right in thinking. the ring, I mean, he's going to be looking up at him. Uh, right. But but yeah, I mean, if if you think about even matches that you wouldn't think um, would have been that big a deal, but but he managed to pull people into. Um, his storylines with QT Marshall and Sean Spears and Anthony Agogo. I mean, this is what he does, you know, and, and I think um, it it is a skill set that was very much in need in WWE. And uh, again, I, I hope uh, more more than anybody that, that he has this ability to kind of break him from that bad habit of um, having to script everything. Uh, and and but not everybody can do what Cody can do. So right. so uh, uh, maybe the rules will just be different for him. Uh, okay, let's talk about, I guess, what, what is uh, uh, the, the next biggest, and, and you might argue the biggest attraction of the whole weekend, and, and that's Steve mm-hmm. Austin. Yes. Um, um, you know, I had some question about how much would, would fans be there for, for Steve Austin. And um, after seeing the 100th, 40-something-year-old guy bald with a goatee over the weekend. I think that that answer, you know, that was answered for me. And and the guys right in front of me in, in the stadium said they hadn't gotten to show in, in years and were there for Steve Austin. So they uh, he absolutely worked in bringing back a Labs fans. The question was, okay, so, so what are we going to get? And I think it absolutely uh, uh, delivered on the high side of expectations. We did end up getting a match. That was a big question as well. We knew it was going to be a fight, but how does it conclude? And it concluded in a pinfall. He, he you know, clearly, I, I, I think, uh, again, what they were trying to do was uh, kind of ride the, the fence of we'll see how I'm feeling that right. night. And if I'm up for it, we'll do the match. I don't want to advertise a match and then not be able to, to deliver it. And, and ultimately, you know, come showtime, he was up for it. And um, I don't want to exaggerate and say he looked like 1998 Steve Austin. He did not. Uh, but... But he looked really good for a, a 57, 58-year-old man. He bumped around. He had a Steve Austin match. Um, th- when that glass broke, the, the the place absolutely became unglued. It was the pop that I had hoped for. Um, I I uh, took a video with with my phone, and uh, I wondered, like, I don't remember shaking the, the, the phone. I was pretty steady. But the <laughs> second that the, the glass breaks – you know, the, the whole picture sort of vibrates and it was just the excitement of, of the building. It was the, the, the sound waves of right. uh, 70,000 people just exploding and they stayed pretty much that fever pitch throughout um, the whole night. Um, again, I, I talked about how, how to me so much of the story was uh, for Kevin Owens and, and uh, I felt really good for him. I mean, what a moment for a guy. I mean, that that is all time and that goes on your, 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 ep- uh, your, your, your graves on your epitaph. Um, and, uh, I, I just loved it. Um, we got a, a second helping, uh, the next night, a little bit of a surprise. I wasn't anticipating it ahead of time, but once kind of the picture was in focus and here's McMahon and McAfee beating up on, uh, or, or McMahon and, and, and theory beating up on McAfee, I'm telling my kids, we're about to hear the glass break. Right. And, and sure enough. And it was like, why didn't we, we think about this uh, earlier? So, uh, combined night one and night two. What did you think of the return of Steve Austin? Well, you know, I I think that you're right. They probably didn't know until the day of exactly what it was going to be. And the thinking was probably, if he's not up to it, then we'll just do the Kevin Owens show and there'll be a stunner and he'll drink some beer. And he probably was like, nope, let's go. Let's do it. 
And, you know, you're right. The, I'll tell you what. The, the loudest pop that I have ever heard live in my life was that September 22nd, 1997 Raw that they talk about where he stunned uh, McMahon for the first time in, in Madison Square Garden. That was to the point where I couldn't even hear. I've never heard anything like that before in my life. So I can only imagine you're talking about, you know, three or four times the size of the crowd yeah. doing that. Uh, only he can bring that out. It's really incredible. And, you know, here's the thing. You, you talk about best match or however you want to describe it. Like, yeah, you know, if you're looking at it from the, the rating scale and all this kind of thing, um, it's it's Cody and Rollins as the best match of WrestleMania. But if you're looking at it in terms of what made people the happiest, what was the most memorable, what was the most just enjoyable, it's got to be Austin and Owens. I mean, that was amazing and it felt so good and i'm you know, i'm watching it with my son who is he'll be 18 in the summer and so he was not even born yet when austin retired and my son is losing it you know my mm -hmm. son's been my son's been watching wrestling with me for like 11 12 years he's never seen things like this you know so he's sitting there he's dying and it isn't even just the match it's everything it's the things that austin's saying it's the atv it's the 47 beers that he drank and my son is losing it, and I turn to him and I go, "Look now, imagine if this guy was twenty years younger, and this was every week." Yeah, now, now that would give you that would give you an idea of how spoiled we were, right? Because this really was magic. It was absolute magic. I was very concerned about the man watching it, but oh, it was yeah. absolute magic. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I, I have almost the exact same story. You know, in in in, in my household. I've got Steve Austin posters downstairs. At it, at one time, he was my very favorite, very favorite, along with everybody else who was watching uh, wrestling uh, in the '90s. But for my kids, it's just a, a story, right? I mean, they know that Hulk Hogan was a big deal once upon a time. They know The Rock was a big deal once upon a time. They know Steve Austin was a big deal. The NWO, but they they lived it over the weekend and they got it. And um, yeah, by the end of the night, they were Steve Austin fans. They they totally <laughs> got it. They were they were cracking up. My kid ended up buying a Steve Austin shirt the next day, um, and um, it it still. And there was some question. I think we talked about like how does this play in twenty twenty two, and yeah, the the answer was it plays really well. I mean, I, I I think several new generations of fans totally got what was so special about the guy, and um, it it's. You know, part badass, part really good wrestler and, and bump taker. And there's definitely a, a comedy element uh, of it, oh, that sure. it that is just hilarious, you know. And uh, that second night with uh, McMahon and the, the, the botch stunner, um, I thought it almost made the moment better. Because, yes, it did. Uh, it did. Because yeah, it was two like old guys trying to relive you yes. know, this moment from 20 something years ago and McMahon can't even stand and Steve Austin's cracking up. I mean, he, he can't even contain the laughter. He starts running around the, the, the ring. Um, it was perfect. Uh, uh, McAfee was fantastic drinking the beer while he was unconscious outside. It was just, I'm smiling ear to ear the whole time. Right. And you know, like you said, uh, the, the thing with Vince, uh, you know, and I'm watching it going like my brain is telling me, this man should not be anywhere near this. <laughs> this man should be home watching it on TV, letting his children run this thing. This poor old guy. I can't believe I actually felt pity for this man, but he's pushing 80 years old. You can see, I mean, what well, I mean, God, as far as his body, I, I, I hope I could ever look like that when I'm pushing 80 years old. I, lo I love when people were like, oh, Vince needs to put his shirt back on and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, 
yeah, when's the last time, seventy-six-year-old man looks right, like that? Yeah. When's the last time you saw a seventy-six-year-old man who was built like that? Give me a break, the guy. You know, and then oh well, he took the stunner badly or whatever. Well, I mean, what did you expect? I mean, clearly, you know, there are. I can understand the argument of people saying, well, then he should never even bothered to do this. But I mean, I think my takeaway was. Yes, I think if we were thinking rationally, maybe they would have said, let's not go through with all this. But I sure as hell am glad that they did because it wound up coming together again in this magical, incredible way where it's like it's almost part of the fun of it. Like you said, just the I mean, my wife and I were rewinding it and watching it repeatedly. She's like, I need to see that again. Show me that again. And then there's the video of Mick Foley. Have you seen this reacting? So Mick Foley's son took a cell phone. He was watching it at home. He took a cell phone video of his dad watching the stunner. It's out there. It's on social media. And you can see Mick Foley just doubled over with uncontrollable laughter, like to the point where he can't even breathe watching it. And I think, you know, that's part of the fun. And I think if you lose sight of that, sometimes it's like, you got to remember that that wrestling can also be fun. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, you know what I mean? Like sometimes it's okay. I mean, I love my serious wrestling too. Sometimes it's okay to take a little bit of the piss out of it. You, you know what I mean? And 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 just let it be fun. And and yes, pull the curtain back a little bit now and then. Okay, big deal. We know that he didn't really give him a stunner. So what? You know? Yeah, yeah. And and again, in retrospect, they really foreshadowed it, and, and it kind of went over my head. But having McMahon part of the show that that second night, um, knowing that Austin is somewhere in, in the vicinity, and um. As soon as they're face to face, it it's so silly, and the notion that you know Austin offers him a beer and and McMahon so oh maybe this will work out differently this time. Well, you know, you know the 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 and this is another little thing like Heyman's finger on the rope. I mean, I was just gleefully watching the moment when they share the beer. He gives him the beer. Vince like takes a moment, he puts his finger up, you know, he wants to take a little sip to, to see if he likes it, you know, because it's <laughs> Austin's beer. It's Austin. It's, it's almost so like he's almost doing a commercial for yeah. Austin's beer. And he looks up and he said, and he gives his face like, oh, that's really good. And, and then Austin is grinning ear to ear in this genuine way. Like, thank you so much for endorsing yes. my beer. It's this great, it was actually cute. I can't believe I'm saying yeah, it. Yeah, this yeah. moment, and then he stuns him right after that. Yeah. It was fantastic. You, you, you called it magical, which I think is a, a perfect word. It was almost sort of like this Disney element to it as far as uh, the, the wrestling world. And, and part of that is that this really is the end of an era, right? I mean, um, this was a so. moment that I, I never thought my kids would would live to see watch Steve Austin wrestle, watch Vince McMahon wrestle, watch Vince McMahon take a stunner from from Steve Austin in front of 70,000 fans in Dallas, Texas, where Steve Austin started his career. It was just such a perfect moment. And and I think um, a, a lot of fans and Steve Austin himself, you know, you, when you've been retired for so long, it, it's a fair question. Like, you know, do I do I ruin it? Do I lessen it somehow if I come back now? And um, I, I think this just adds to his legacy. I think it was the fairy tale ending. When you think back 19 years ago, I mean, him, him and The Rock had a terrific match, but it was Seattle, you know, <laughs> uh, in in the middle of a of a show, uh, and it wasn't billed as uh, uh, most fans didn't realize at the time they were seeing Steve Austin's last match. 
so I think he right. was right to jump at this opportunity. And it was just a, a perfect fitting kind of like last chapter to, and I'm sure we'll see, well, why don't we jump into this part of it? And, and this was part of the discussion beforehand. Is this the beginning of something? Is this the beginning uh, of a run? Uh, as great as he was, and as much as he was a lot more physical than I think I expected him to be, um, taking bumps, you know, flatback bumps on, on the concrete, uh, I I didn't sense that this was the beginning of something more. And, you know, he, he moved at a different pace than he did years ago, understandably so. We didn't see a, a Fez press. I mean, I think the <laughs> offense that we, we saw was carefully chosen and, and choreographed, and I just can't imagine... Uh, uh, much more than this. I think um, they would absolutely want him to. I have no doubt in my mind, and I wouldn't be surprised if ideas have been floated. I think, because I think they're going to want, they would probably want like Saudi Arabia things, uh, him versus Goldberg, this kind of stuff, um, you know, but I think that he's going to be the one to make sure that doesn't happen. And look, I may eat my words on this. It certainly happened before, but um, he will probably be the one to say, no, look, that that was it. That's all you're getting from me. Like, I think if they had their way, they would certainly like it to continue. Yeah, yeah, I I, I agree. And and he, he um, I think, sometimes uh, underappreciated for, for his wrestling brain and acumen. And I think he knows that 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 should be it. And and man, I mean, wrestlers should be so lucky um, to have that kind of send-off. So it was just perfect. Um, uh, because we touched on it, uh, let, let's talk about McAfee and uh, a theory, and, and then I guess McAfee uh, and and McMahon. Uh, I got to tell you, being in the building both nights, McAfee was one of the most over guys. I, saw. I don't know that, that he the fans even expected it. I just think that, you know, part of it is the, the, the music and just the, 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 the swagger. Uh, they're onto something with, with Pat McAfee and he, um, delivered a, a really good match. Uh, I wasn't really surprised by that because we saw that he's right. capable of it when, when he had the a couple matches in, in NXT, I thought theory, uh, was great. Uh, but again, my, my big takeaway was, uh, this guy's really, really over. And uh, I, I, I liked the McAfee match. Uh, we did end up getting McMahon and, and McAfee, uh, after all, a disaster. <laughs> you know, <laughs> people calling it the, the, the worst WrestleMania match of all time. I, I wouldn't have had a big problem with it, and I really don't. Uh, but I sort of question, wh- why did it have to go down the way the way it did? You know, the the, the, the soft little punt to the to the stomach with the football is enough to pin Pat McAfee. Why couldn't you you have you know theory hit him with a, a low blow or something? Uh, it, it just made McAfee look really bad. Somebody said that they were killing time because I guess people mentioned, and I didn't double check this, but people mentioned that Austin's music hit at exactly three hours and sixteen minutes into the show. Ha! Now, <laughs> I don't know. a lot of people said that. I didn't check it for myself. So I'm thinking that may be an explanation. They were just trying to kill some time. That would also explain why Vince, which was unfortunate, actually, Vince seemed to telegraph it when he he sold Austin Theory's music hitting as if yep. it were Stone Cold's music hitting. And he kind of spoiled it a little bit. And yep. um, I think that was also part of the the time killing. Like it probably was ideally supposed to happen a little sooner. Like the, the interesting thing to me, and I agree that 
McAfee's incredibly over. At least he was on that night. He's also really good in the ring. You know, he's not my personal cup of tea, I, but, you know, that does, that's neither here nor there. I mean, the guy's, the guy's over, and, he's, and he is good in the ring. But I felt like what was weird about it was the thing with Austin Theory and all that and, and, and the angle going into it, it felt like one of the weaker matches of yeah. the show going in. And, and, and it was hard for me to get invested personally because of that. But then it wound up turning into the best segment of the whole night, which was crazy, like in one, in one segment. And, and, you know, he was part of that too, because then when he got in the, the, the ring with Austin and I love the fact that he stunned McAfee because that, Oh, and what a what a, uh, a and bump the that cell, he's one of the all time. That, <laughs> yeah, that was one of the key aspects, okay, of the Stone Cold Stunners was they were not always even for any reason. He just did it when he felt like doing it, even to people that were his friends. He mm-hmm. would do it to Jr. for no reason, and then they would just be friends. That that really brought it back to me because you know um, the fa- and the fans would totally accept it, just like they did. Um, Sunday night, you know, they didn't turn on him as much as they loved McAfee because they're just like, this is what Stone Cold Steve Austin does. That's just what he does. He stuns people. Yeah, yeah. And and in a roundabout way, uh, I think there's a little bit of Steve Austin in Pat McAfee in yeah. as much as, as um, I just mentioned, there's definitely an element to the 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 character the persona that is comedy and uh it works you know the the first match that kicked off all of wrestlemania night one the tag team match that ended you know unfortunately with with boogs getting uh hurt um it it occurred to me when when uh nakamura and and boogs came into the ring that this might be the most over the Nakam- that nakamura has been since he arrived i mean this the, the tag team act with Boogs was really getting over. And I think a big part of that is Pat McAfee and, and how nuts he goes when Nakamura comes out and he's dancing on top of the table. And it's just, it's part of the act and uh, it's endearing. Uh, I, I think they're onto something uh, uh, with him. And I don't know if he just goes back behind the announce table. I don't know if this is the beginning of more of a regular run. Um, but um, yeah, they, they, they've hit on something in, uh, in, in McAfee and, and, um, uh, it's good, you know, uh, w- one more guy kind of on the roster, whether it, it's as an announcer or as a wrestler, but just a personality that you have that that fans like to watch. So uh, that's all great. Um, let's start. You said uh, 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 Cody and uh, Seth was the best match uh, of the weekend. I think it's close, but but I want to talk about what I think was the best match of the weekend. That was Becky and, and Bianca. Okay. I thought they just had a, a phenomenal match. Uh, and, and again, I wasn't super hyped about the storyline going into it, uh, but but just a terrific match. Bell to, even before Belt to Bell, the entrances were fun. It it felt like a big WrestleMania match, and and now we have two years in a row that that uh, uh, Bianca really brings it at WrestleMania. And if if it's not the best match, it's probably number two um, for back to back years. And uh, I, I just loved it. I, I you know, uh, some of the, the best, most suspenseful near falls back and forth uh, in, in that closing stretch. Everything looked good. Uh, Becky looked fantastic. Crowd was into it. Um, I love that match. Oh, I did, too. No, no question. It was um, I would say my, my second, you know, I, I would call it the second best match of, of, of the WrestleMania. It's close. Yeah. Weekend and, and a close second. I mean, and and. and Bianca deserves incredible credit because when you think about she had what was probably the match of the show last year, 
with Sasha Banks. Now this year she has one of the major highlights of WrestleMania with another member, you know, of the four horsewomen, so-called Becky Lynch. And it's, it, she really is at that level, you know, and it, and, and it makes you wonder even more why. I mean, I understand, all right, people say, well, that was the storyline. Okay, so she got humiliated by Becky at SummerSlam. She came back at WrestleMania. But it still makes me wonder why they would ever contemplate doing something like that because she is so good, and it's just been now a struggle for her to get back the momentum that she had, which now she finally has done uh, by having this this incredible match at WrestleMania on, on this stage. Yeah, I, I think in the end, they, they sort of made it work. And in that video package, they uh, used it as part of the story. I, I think along the way, when they were telling the story, it wasn't working as well. But when they kind of packaged it and they showed, uh, look, she had all this momentum coming out of WrestleMania last year. She was um, uh, humiliated at, at SummerSlam. Um, and, and lost in short order and is, you know, earned the shot back. And now she's going to uh, prove that she's the best. It worked uh, in the air. I, I think they kind of pulled the nose up and and, and they saved it. Hopefully um, they keep her on track. Um, but the reality is that, that Becky is still a huge star and, he, and she needs protecting. I, I guess the, the plan, as it's been talked about, was was uh, Becky at Ronda next year at WrestleMania, which um for for a while sounded like the biggest women's match that you could do and, and maybe that's a way to transitioning in, into that that match uh, i think it's fair to say again i don't even know the disappointment uh, uh because as as we talked about and and fans around me in the building were, were talking about especially coming off of because that followed uh what was the match order uh that followed cody and um, Seth. So, yes. you know, you, you had it. And, and up until that, it was building, building, building throughout the night. You know, I, I think um, the, the match order for the most part in the first night was just kind of this uh, uh, crescendo, right? And, uh, and and Bianca and Becky was so hot that I worried about Cody and Seth because they had to follow that. But then, you know, they just built, kept on building. And then Ronda and Charlotte uh, never really had a chance. And I think they did fine. I don't think it was necessarily... Uh, you know, could they have had a better match? Sure. But I don't think it really was about um, what happened from bell to bell. I think it was a likability problem. And I heard fans around me in the stadium saying the same thing. It's like, we don't like either one of these people. Yeah. Um, and and um, the, the placement, because of that, the placement was really suspect. Um, and, and I just think that there's a obliviousness in, in WWE about, how over either of these these women are, and and it really hurt the match. Um, I don't know how uh, uh, visible it was on TV, but for a good portion of the match, fans were distracted with something going on in the stands. Um, and I was trying to figure. I think it was like a Hulk Hogan impersonator, like in the nosebleeds. Okay. Um, but it, it's all to say that they were happy to look at something else rather than than the match. Um, and you know, the finish was sort of clunky, and and it just it was a good effort. Um, I'd even call it a good match. You know, I think it'd be over like that, that three star range, but also kind of a disappointment. Disappointment's the key word. It was probably the biggest disappointment of the show. I don't know if I'd call it the worst match, but it was the biggest disappointment in the sense that you had hoped for more from it, you know, and I'm amazed that she didn't win. I just feel like uh, I had assumed, and we yep. talked about this, that that would have been one of her conditions for coming back. You know, uh, it's just the more I see of, of Ronda Rousey 
particularly, the more I understand a couple of things. One is when she first came in a few years ago, she was white hot and people loved her for a few months. I think they were very, very careful about how they were presenting her and those early matches, especially that WrestleMania one that blew her up instantly with Triple H and Stephanie and all that. I think it was very, very carefully done and very carefully choreographed to elicit that response. And I just think that as time goes by, the artifice of that starts to break down uh, and people just got tired of her. She doesn't seem to have a tremendous amount of charisma. I also no. feel that the, a big issue is she's a very thin-skinned person. Yep. And this this also came out in her MMA career where she yeah, basically yeah. she just fell apart every time she lost. Every time there was um, criticism, every time it wasn't just unquestioned adulation of how amazing she is, she seems to fall apart. And so she came into WWE very enthusiastically, very positively – the minute she had to take any kind of guff from fans and getting responses she wasn't expecting, it completely altered her viewpoint, her attitude, her personality, and I, I don't think she's ever gotten it back. And to be quite frank, that's not the kind of person you want to have around. I, I mean, I just don't know what her value is in the long term, you know, especially because like we were saying how when she first came back again, it seemed like, oh, people love her. She's back. And blah, blah. but that already seems to have evaporated. I just don't think she has the staying power and the legs to really be a long term WWE star. Yeah. And, and she's just not the the crossover star that she was a few years no. ago either. She just doesn't mean as much. And it, it it sort of reminds me of what happened to her in MMA in that when she came onto the scene, um, there was kind of this dearth of, of other talented uh, uh, female fighters. So she was able to to dominate, but, but then the sport kind of caught up with her and uh, she was exposed a little bit. And when Ronda came over to WWE, uh, Becky Lynch wasn't the star that that she became. They didn't have a Bianca Belair, so they had some really talented women, um, but but maybe not really top level stars. And so they leaned on Ronda a, a lot because she was a box office. But then again, Becky became arguably the biggest star in the company. Um, certainly before Roman Reigns really caught fire, um, and uh, Bianca took off, and, and some others. And then Ronda's just like another, you know, wrestler who who's got um, some some mainstream appeal, uh, but it just doesn't go as as far as it did. You know, Ronda Rousey hasn't had an MMA fight in I don't know what's it been seven years, something like that. Um, yeah, I mean she's she's just she's not Six. the star that she was uh, years ago. And as you said, I I, I think that chip on her shoulder. Uh, comes through and is off-putting, and the more she's like that, I think the more fans will reject her. It kind of reminds me of like when my kids are acting up, and it annoys my <laughs> wife, and she gets mad, and so they do it more to rile her up more. And and it, it, it's sort of what it feels like is that like the more she has uh, this bad attitude, the more fans are going to get on her case. Uh, and, yes. Yeah. So so uh, yeah, I I just don't see and 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 again. Because so much of this is the real Ronda Rousey, I don't know what the contract is. I don't know what the commitment is, but I don't see her being um, long for WWE. You know, no, and, and yeah, yeah. I mean, I imagine they've got her through next WrestleMania. That's the plan. But I don't even know if Becky versus Ronda means that much come next year. 
it almost might be a come down for Becky yep. from the match she just had. But and speaking of which, though, I just want to mention briefly because it is somewhat related to what we're talking. I, I just want to get your take on this. But did you you saw Raw? I'm assuming Monday night. Yes. Right? Not in person. Uh, what yeah. was the deal? What am I missing? What was happening down there in Texas with the reaction to Bianca Belair? What the heck was that? That they, they just I, dumped all over her. I've never seen her get that kind of response. I didn't see that. Uh, and and again, I was on the plane and and um, yeah, they did. They were booing her. They were chanting for Becky. They were like just. Or they were just dead. They were dead yeah. silent at moments where she was clearly trying to get some cheers. There was very. You could just feel that this crowd was not behind her. It some was of very it is, or some of it, or all of it, is that that raw after WrestleMania crowd. And I got to tell you, like I don't miss this uh, at all, right? I mean, uh, and and it's been a few years during the pandemic since we had a, a true raw after WrestleMania. But but you remember, I mean, what became the signature of that show was that the fans would just um, hijack the shows and um, and and not in a positive way. And, uh, you know, it used to be beach balls being bounced around or they just kind of, you know, they make it about uh, themselves and it hurts the product. And I don't know if that was some of it. I, uh, um, I don't know. They, yeah. I mean, how do you not like Bianca? The, the same thing happened on Tuesday, NXT to Braun Breaker. I mean, I felt like I was in Bizarro World. The crowd, Braun Breaker came out as NXT champion, you know, the celebratory promo. The crowd was chanting for uh, Dolph Ziggler, which it's I think is... contrarian, a, yeah. I mean, I don't I know. think that's probably the first time that's ever happened anywhere. But was that show, that show was not in Dallas, right? No, that was yeah. just your regular NXT crowd, which was even weirder. Yeah. Um, I don't know. <laughs> it almost made me feel like I had missed a few months worth of shows, even though I hadn't. Yeah, I wouldn't put too much into it. I mean, if it becomes a pattern, um, then they should be concerned. I, I'd chalk it up as to just sort of an anomaly of that that night after WrestleMania Raw crowd kind of going into business for themselves. Mm. Uh, so uh, you, you called uh, uh, Ronda and um, Charlotte the disappointment of the weekend. I think there's a match that uh, will will uh, compete with that, and that's we talked about it before, Edge and AJ Styles. Super yes. high hopes for this, and uh, you know, I, I think we've talked about this. It, it kind of reminded me of of AJ Nakamura a few few years ago, yes, where yes, yes, a, yes. a very good match, you know, by by any standard. Again, I mean, if you're if you're assigning it stars, it's over that three star rating, but just less than it could have been, should have been. It felt like th that slow build, and, and and you know, my kids were asking like, why is it so slow? And I was telling them like. They're setting the foundation for for a real special match, you know. And and when you think about like those, uh, I think of like an Okada match, and they're very often like that. The first ten minutes, it's a lot of uh, mat work and and holds and exchanges and things like that, reversals. Uh, but then it kicks into the second gear, and then that third gear, and then you really have something special. And a lot of it was in their first gear. They they kicked into that second gear, and then it was over. Uh, and and it 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 never moved into third gear. Kind of ended out of nowhere. The finish was sort of dumb. AJ distracted by by Damian Priest. Uh, again, a a a good match. But I think even more than than Ronda and and uh, Charlotte, a disappointment because there there were high hopes for this one. This people were hoping this would be the best match of the weekend. I saw it as being that sleeper match. I saw it as being like this is the match that in yeah. in years gone by this would have been like the intercontinental title match that steals the show. 
that was what I was thinking going in, you know, like a Savage Steamboat or a Bret Hart, Roddy Piper kind of thing, you know, and it was not, <laughs> Yeah, it, you know, the, it, it was, look, I'll just flat out say it. It was boring. It, mm-hmm. it was the worst example of what you sometimes see in modern wrestling where it's like guys that are great at doing all the moves and they could go and go and go, but it just doesn't get any kind of response. There's nothing special about it. Uh, and, you know, I hate to say this, but I would have to say now looking back, and I especially feel this way about AJ Styles, that that is very much uh, a component of his of who he has been, at least to me. I think he's, look, he's amazing in the ring. I think he's great. And even that match was an example. Like he can go, he can, he can do all the moves. It's like, you know, the, but, but the whole is less than the sum of the parts, if that makes sense. Like so many of his yeah. matches fit that pattern. Like Nakamura was like that. I will say Cena was not, but I mean, so many of his matches are like, okay, I can understand this is very proficient and impressive, but it's just not doing anything for me. Yeah, I, I, I think part of it, and, and we've seen this happen with Edge as well. Emotion, emotion. Is, I, I think it's getting psyched out by the moment, right? Because you, you see uh, AJ or Edge, for that matter, in a match in a, um, you know, kind of off-brand pay-per-view, whether it's um, No Way Out or whatever they call them these days, uh, uh, one of those, like, they'll come through with that four-star, four-and-a-half ma- match, uh, four-and-a-half-star match regularly. But on that that big stage with the spotlight, it's almost like they they overthink it, you know? And I think of, of Edge and Randy Orton uh, at WrestleMania 36 a couple years ago, Edge's return mm-hmm. match, which was awful, you know? And it was... He overthought it. They just tried to do too much. Maybe the same with AJ Nakamura a few years ago. And now you've got two wrestlers who now both have a reputation for doing this kind of thing. And you put them together and it just felt like, you know, they sat down at at, at a table for for hours and hours or days and like, we'll do this and then we'll do this. And then this will be a tribute to this match. And then this will be inspired by this. And um, it never kind of came together. And maybe it also sort of felt like maybe they just ran out of time, you know, like that was the first 15, 17 minutes of a, a 35, 40 minute match. Right. And you know, you make a good point there about psyching yourself out and maybe, you know, it's the, it's the stage that you're on because certainly, certainly with edge, you know, I give edge more of the benefit of the doubt because I know what he's capable of. And like, for example, classic example of what you mean, the match that he had last year with Roman Reigns. It's great, yeah. Was probably, I mean, God, that might be my, my favorite match that Roman Reigns has had. Remember that, Daniel Bryan was in that one, too. Right, that yeah. or the, yeah, but didn't he, he also had a one-on-one match with Edge, did he not? He did, uh, the pay-per-view after that. Right, maybe? that's yeah. what I, that's the one I'm talking about. The one-on-one match that he had with Edge was outstanding, and that actually was the match that I personally felt that Roman really made himself into a made man. It, it was holding his own with somebody like Edge one on one, which should have been the main event of WrestleMania anyway. If you remember that, right. that Roman versus Edge felt like the way to go last year. I mean, as crazy as it is to think of it now, but but um, that match felt like that was the match that really truly, even though he, of course he was already the champion, but that was the match that put Roman Reigns over the top for me personally. And again, Edge brought that out of him, but uh, that was not the case with WrestleMania for sure. 
this yeah, year. Yeah. Uh, any thoughts on on uh, Damian Priest being uh, aligned uh, with Edge? <laughs> I've seen some speculation that maybe they're starting a new brood, right? And it'll include uh, Rhea Ripley and Tommaso Ciampa. In as much as they all kind of have a, a similar vibe going, I heard about Rhea Ripley for sure. Uh, I mean, not for sure, but I mean, I have heard of of her going into that. Um, I thought it was one of those kind of hilarious wrestling things where it doesn't make any sense in reality, but it's wrestling where okay, so. Edge lost the match. I'm sorry. Um, AJ Styles lost the match because Damian Priest came out and looked at him. Yeah, <laughs> he, uh, awful. yeah. He came out and just looked at him, and that was enough of a distraction for Edge to lose the match. Like, he didn't even do anything. He just stood there. Yeah. And he looked like an idiot, you know. Uh, it was AJ very just, weird. Yeah. Uh, very weird. Uh, I don't know. I mean, this whole Edge heel turn has been weird. It's just, It just feels like, ah, I guess I'll turn heel now. Why not? Yeah, and he's in the stage of his career where I think fans just want to, like, cheer for him. You know, he's like the Hall of Famer, 50-year-old, been around for uh, whatever, 25 years. Um, I don't know what the appetite is for for uh, a heel edge. Uh, He's a great performer. I don't doubt he could pull it off, but um, it just feels like questionable casting for him so yeah, we'll see yeah. but but uh you know I, i'm almost more disappointed for aj because it was again kind of a return to the big stage a reminder that, that aj is one of the best in in the world after taking that year and just kind of doing tag team stuff um and so i i i wanted aj to have that great match and, re- and remind everybody um what he's capable of and, and this just wasn't it and i worry that um you know he he's sent down the card again so uh which is yeah. a shame yeah, because, you know, I mean, I have to say, like, uh, devil's advocate almost literally here, but, like, if I'm Vince McMahon and, you know, I'm somebody who's totally in the WWE bubble and people for years are telling me, oh, we have to get this AJ Styles kid, like, he's doing amazing things in Japan and Ring of Honor and TNA and this guy needs to be here, you know, and and I bring him in, I'm going, like, I don't really know what what everybody was talking about. Like, like to me... This is like people always said that the not that he's not great, but like he is what Daniel Bryan was in the storyline, but not in reality, where they kept calling him the B plus player. Like for Vince looking at something like what AJ has done in WWE, if I'm Vince, I'm thinking this is a, a B plus player. That that's what he is. He's a strong B plus, but he's a B plus. Yeah, and that's unfortunate because uh, again, I think he's got a lot of matches in WWE that that would show that's not the case. He right. uh, whether it was the Cena matches, he had great matches with Roman Reigns, but they were on smaller stages. And and now you look at his resume, uh, his his WrestleMania resume, and it's like okay, you know, he's had some good matches, some not so great matches, but he hasn't had that uh, show stealing match at WrestleMania. He never wrestled uh, Cena at WrestleMania, did he? No, I think that might have been a SummerSlam. A SummerSlam, yeah. That yeah, I would so say that's probably been for me anyway. That's the best match he's had in WWE. Right, right. That was such um, you know, I'm it goes without saying, but like that was the ultimate like WWE versus TNA, you know, yeah. kind of dream match. You know, it was yeah. very cool. Yes. At WrestleMania, he had uh, Jericho, which was uh, good, not great. He had uh, uh, Shane, which was good, not great. Uh, I'm forgetting Nakamura again, and then. Um, what did he do a couple years ago in at 36? Uh, I, I forget. But yeah, I mean, like, I feel like we'd remember if he had that show stealing <laughs> performance and he just hasn't. Um, let, let's talk a, bit, a little bit about the, the, the celebrity uh, matches. Um, uh, first of all, uh, night one, uh, Logan Paul and, and The Miz beating 
um, the Mysterios. I got to tell you, I thought it was one of the better matches of the night. One one of uh, uh, the, the the bigger surprises in terms of really delivering. The fans were way into this, and Logan Paul was fantastic. I mean, after that match, I I uh, I tweeted. I, I think instantly he's in the conversation of best celebrity wrestlers uh, ever. I thought he looked great. I thought um, in, in Vince McMahon would be watering at the mouth to get a guy like this. He could never afford him uh, uh, in, in terms of what Logan I, – I, I heard he was wearing a uh, – my kids told me this uh, – a $5 million <laughs> Pokemon card around his neck. So uh, he's not, you know, becoming a, a WWE wrestler anytime soon. But in terms of, of taking it seriously and delivering and looking at home, uh, I think he was the biggest guy in the ring. He has these big, long arms, uh, just looked like a star. And uh, I thought delivered way high on, on uh, expectations. And uh, I, I really enjoyed this match. It's interesting because coming off of, you know, last year with Bad Bunny, right? And mm-hmm. it's almost like... We're, you know, because some people were saying, well, obviously this shows that pro wrestling must be really easy to do if all these celebrities <laughs> can do it, blah, 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 which let me tell you something could not be farther from the truth. That's number one. Um, I think, well, what we are seeing is a time now where celebrities that they engage with are taking it more seriously in terms of how they prepare and what they the preparation they put into it and the training and getting ready they are they seem to be more serious about wanting to put on a memorable performance whereas in the past you got that sense of like oh i'm kind of holding my nose while i do this oh yeah. I, I don't want to take it too seriously because it'll make me look like an idiot like it's almost like if i'm really good at it it's almost going to look worse because it's going to look like what why does this guy care so much about this garbage so that there was that attitude of uh, of that and i think that's gone by the wayside especially among uh, younger celebrities, you, you know, you get these people like Logan Paul, like Bad Bunny, or, or even someone like Cardi B, where you know, if you follow them on social media, at times these are people that are a thousand times more famous than anyone in <laughs> WWE, but they love WWE. Like, like yeah. in, in their minds, they're not as big of a deal as these wrestlers are. Like, they really mark out for this stuff, and. They take it seriously, and I think that's w- where you get things like this because he was he was impressive. Yeah, I think a, a Bad Bunny last year performed at the Grammys with the championship belt. He around. did. Yeah, I mean that, that I think that makes your point exactly. You know, Bunny was great uh, last year, but there was always that credibility issue in that he's so small, you know, compared to these other guys, and clearly. Uh, it was last year the Miz and Morrison kind of creating that movement uh, for him, and in this case. You know, Logan Paul looked probably the most like a pro wrestler in that ring in terms of like that idea of what a pro wrestler is supposed to look like in that he's just a, a huge, great looking guy. Uh, and the, the 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 spots, I mean, the, the buff blockbuster off the top rope doing the split in in, in the middle of the ring. I, I mean, it just screamed like effective heel. Uh, the, the Eddie Guerrero stuff, um, I, I thought it all just really, really worked. Uh, you know, it, it was sort of nice to see uh, the Miz win because he never wins, especially uh, at WrestleMania, and just win clean with his finish. Uh, and him turning uh, on Paul, I thought was uh, kind of a fun surprise that people really didn't see. Uh, I mean, they did kind of forecast it, but weren't expecting it at, at that moment. So I imagine we're getting another uh, a match, a, a Miz Logan Paul match, and I guess we'll see from there. But 
how do you think fans will take to Logan Paul as the babyface uh, in in a feud? Um, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, he does have that natural heel vibe. Like, it's so funny to me. It was it was to the point where when the when that turn happened, my immediate assumption was that Miz was turning face. Right. Yeah. Just because look, he's so hateable. And maybe they do end up doing that. <laughs> yeah, knows? but but I mean, like then the way they were selling it immediately after with yeah. the Miz gloating and Logan Paul was just looking very stunned and hurt. It just got me thinking, OK, well, I guess he's supposed to be the face here. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know why I, I am never. Let me put it this way. You can quote me on this. I am never going to cheer for a man who owns a million dollar Pokemon card <laughs> and wears it around his neck. Just the fact that even such a thing exists Makes me want to punch the guy. Five in the million face. dollar Pokemon. Five million, whatever it is, whatever it is. Yeah, I mean that is the that you want to talk about heel heat. That is heel heat right there. Yeah. So I mean I don't know. I mean you know <laughs> my son again. He's eighteen, seventeen. He's watching it with me. You know he knows who Logan Paul is, and he's going, "What is he doing here?" You know. Yeah. It was uh, it was pretty wild. Yeah. Uh, the the other one obviously was uh, uh Sami Zayn and Johnny Knoxville uh, yes. on Sunday. Um, you know we talk about here. In, in wrestling, if it works, it works. And this wasn't necessarily my cup of tea, but uh, absolutely in the building. The fans were eating it up. They got a big kick out of it. Uh, again, I didn't love it, but but I can't question that that it it was effective. It was. And look, you know, I, I am uh, I'm I was laughing in spite of myself. And look, you know, yeah, I, I love great wrestling. I'll sit down and I'll watch. Harley Race go to a one hour draw with Wahoo McDaniel in rapt attention and love it. But I can also just laugh my butt off watching a guy get smacked in the face with a gigantic hand and yeah. get pinned in a giant mousetrap. I am not above that. I just want to say. Yeah. And I, I'm sitting there with my wife. Again, you know, th these are this is all anecdotal stuff. But like, and I'm, and you know, this is WrestleMania. You got a lot of casual fans, a lot of people that don't necessarily watch a lot of wrestling. Otherwise, I'm watching it with my dad. I'm watching it with my wife. My wife usually can't stand it, and she's loving it. She's laughing like crazy, and just like my dad is in total disbelief, but in a good way. Just like what what, what am I watching? And I'm going like, you can't knock this. Like like this is entertaining, and and it's in its place. That's the thing. They're not doing this in the main event, you know. And times when I have seen stuff like this in main events, I will always call that out. They're yeah. not doing it in the main event. It's in its place. It's a comedy match. That's another thing. I, I, you know, and it delivered. Like I've said it here before, and I say it to people. Look, there's a lot of stuff in wrestling that's supposed to be funny, and it's just not funny. It's lame and dumb. And and Sami Zayn is genuinely funny. I think yes, he's yeah. the funniest wrestler out there, at least in 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 a major company. I mean, he is genuinely. Great comic timing, incredibly funny. Like, he really has found himself as this kind of character, I have to say. Like, everybody has a place, and he's found it, and it, and he's really doing well with it. Like, this is another one where, like, all right, I understand. You get people calling the match horrible, and, and it's terrible. And, and I'm going, well, look, this it is what it was supposed to be. No one was expecting... Jack Briscoe versus Dory Funk Jr. Out of, no one's going in there expecting this is, you know, uh, Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels. Like, this is what it is. This is what they promised, and it was funnier and more entertaining than I even thought it was going to be.
Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, one thing that I thought was, I don't, I don't know if it was intentional dig, uh, but maybe uh, a shot at AEW, the uh, the board filled with mousetraps, which oh, yes. a hero was used as a comedy spot, was one of like the signature spots of, of that uh, uh, infamous uh, match between, uh, uh, was it uh, Moxley and Omega years ago, the, the, the lights out match, which I hated. Um, it and, was. And the, They've and, done and it, it was, more than once. They've done it right. more than and, once. And to them, it was like a serious spot when they were trying to convey how much, you know, the bloodlust between these guys. And here, I think rightfully so, was more of a of a comedy spot. That's a good point. I always thought was was such a, a dumb, dumb gimmick. That's a good point. And it also stood out because I believe it was the only prop spot that they did that was not using something that was straight out of Jackass. Like, it was something that they, you know what I mean? Like the hand was a jackass prop. The, the foot was a jackass prop. H- having all the people interfere that were like part of his crew and, you know, do, doing the the bowling ball spot. Like that was all jackass stuff. But but the even the giant mousetrap, I think, was a jackass thing. But the but the table with the mousetraps on it was not. And, and so, you know, maybe there's something to that. Like they specifically made a choice to put that in this match. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, let, let's more quickly go through what, what's left. And, and uh, most of the rest of the stuff was kind of paint by numbers. Um, so uh, again, the Usos, uh, Nakamura, Boogs match, they, they were onto something. It had a lot of heat. Uh, unfortunately, um, the, the Boogs injury ended it. Uh, McIntyre and Corbin, Crowd was into it. McIntyre gets to the win about what you'd expect. Uh, I thought it was fine. You know, it seems like they're kind of trying to right the ship with McIntyre and, and maybe he fits into their plans uh, big in these coming months as they need new challengers for the world title. Um, and then what else do we have? A uh, night two, uh, RK bro retaining uh, in the three way. Uh, really good match. I think I think that delivered on the high end of expectations. Uh, Lashley made. I was going to say quick work, but I'm looking at the time now. What six and a half minutes uh, of Omas? It was what it was. I mean, I think it <laughs> it, it was uh, about what we expected. And then um, Naomi and Sasha uh, won the tag titles again. I think it's as we expected. The happy ending there. And uh, this was kind of a story for the wrong reasons. Uh, Sheamus and Rich Holland uh, beating New Day. The match was. Uh, uh, Canceled night one because he ran out of time. They squeezed it in night two, a minute and a half. My wife went to the bathroom to get some food, and she came back, and she missed it. And she asked me the end of the night, did News Day, did New Day ever wrestle? And, and like, yeah, you missed the whole thing. Um, so th- that's kind of unfortunate. Uh, anything jump out of that? Uh, you know, a couple things. Uh, uh, Lashley uh, winning and then MVP turning him on him the next night. It looks like this feud's going to... As soon as MVP, MVP was in the ring there the next night, I kind of right. saw that this is where, where it was going. Uh, but what do you think how this whole uh, played out? Uh, Lashley now is definitively a baby face and, and feuding with uh, um, uh, against MVP. I think, uh, you know, what happened with the match was kind of what I what I thought was going to happen, which is it was used as a way to kind of make sure that Lashley is reestablished as this dominant force, you know, after he kind of fell out of the main event picture briefly and, you know, not briefly, but I mean, he did and lost his title and everything. This was a way to keep him really strong. And we clearly saw that Omos loses nothing here because if anything, he's bigger than ever now because of the night after. Um, It's one of those things where if I'm from a kayfabe point of view, if I'm looking at this as if it were real, um, I would question MVP's business acumen in, <laughs> in this in his decision making, uh, dumping the guy who was his cash cow and who actually beat the guy the night before that he jumped over to right. his side. 
Um, that's a little. But weird, they told but... the story that he he was kind of hurt that he did it without him. That right. that he he felt like he didn't need him. And uh, uh, you know, I know you just wrote uh, in in the most recent magazine about managers. And uh, uh, to me, Amos is is kind of like that that prototypical case of a guy who could benefit from a manager, right? Right. You know, some people were comparing it to. I saw some comparisons to when Paul Heyman. You know, I don't know if people even remember this, but when he briefly left Brock Lesnar and he was managing Heidenreich, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. it was it's a similar dynamic. But you know what? I mean, hopefully it helps Omas and it turns out to be a good thing. I also want to mention, too, because you were asking things that stuck out to me. I made mention of this and I think I think the PWI um, account mentioned it as well. And I actually wanted to do an upcoming column about it, but um, I double and triple check this. Sasha Banks and Naomi are the first black women's world tag team champions in any major company. And that that includes the WWE uh, title, the old WWF, and even the NWA women's tag team title that went back to the 50s. They are the first. Oh, wow. I didn't even think about that. Another little bit of uh, history being made. Yeah, very Um, cool. Uh, another thing that we saw a lot of, uh, uh, what's his name, Gable Stevenson. He was all over uh, both nights. You know, he got a uh, a separate uh, introduction by Stephanie McMahon night one. Got involved in the RK Bro match night two. Clearly, they've got high hopes for the guy. Did you see anything one way or the other that that give you any sense about um, whether this is a wise investment? Well, from his credentials, yeah, I can't see right. why it wouldn't be. I mean, he has the potential to be. Uh, the the next Kurt Angle. I mean, at least on paper, I feel like I don't know enough about him. You know, we know that he's he was a fan. He's passionate about it. I actually think he's he he seems way more gung ho and inclined to do about it to do it certainly than Kurt Angle was because Kurt Angle in his amateur years and even immediately after he still had that old school amateur wrestling view of like, I don't know if I want to get mixed up in this circus kind of a thing. And then he, you know, he showed up in ECW first and that almost rein further reinforced his view. Cause that was the night that like Tommy dreamer crucified Raven or whatever right. it was. And he's going, no, I definitely don't want to be a part of this, but we really see now how, how times have changed because with Gable Stevenson, you see like in his mind, and I think in the minds of probably others, um, this is like where they want to be. Like, this is actually viewed as I'm going to become a star amateur wrestler. And then I'm going to wrestle for WWE. Like th- this is now like a trajectory and not just as it had been sometimes in the past, a trajectory, I hate to say, but for guys who maybe couldn't quite cut it or who who had gotten injured and couldn't continue in quote unquote legitimate sports, um, that seems to be changing now. Now, I have no idea if he's going to pay off. I I will say that um, he doesn't physically look like Kurt Angle. He doesn't seem to be visibly in the kind of shape that Kurt Angle was in. I don't know if that means anything. He just kind of looks more like oh, this looks like kind of a big, strong guy. (laughs) If I'm looking at him, he doesn't have that incredible look that Angle or Lesnar had. Uh, But, you know, that could change. uh, To me, the question is, is the the other part of it, which is really the most important part, which is the the charisma and the ability to connect with audiences and cut a promo and and. you know, perform like we were talking about with, with Cody. And, and I haven't seen anything to tell me that he can't, but, but that's the part of that, that no amount of, uh, you know, o- Olympic success or collegiate success um, is, is going to dictate some, some people just have an act for it and some don't. 
Um, so uh, we will see. You know, I, I hope they're spending a lot of time concentrating on that. But I, I don't think he's even coming around anytime soon, right? I mean, I think this is still just sort of like um, it's very much work work in progress. I, I don't think he's he's having his in ring day. Does he still have like a? Is he still in college, or does he still have? some obligations out in, in, in the amateur wrestling uh, world before he could even begin his WWE career? I really don't know. I mean, there I were people did, that yeah. were wondering, I think people were wondering if he was going to actually debut <laughs> this week yeah. after Mania. But clearly, I mean, he's not quite there yet. I mean, you, you, he was not really in the zone. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you can tell that they're probably still trying to come up with creative for him, get him in shape and the, and the yeah. look they want him to have. And he's he's not there yet, whatever it yeah. is. But they definitely see potential in him. Yeah. Uh, so real quick, a couple of things. Uh, the Hall of Fame, don't want to spend too much time, but but The Undertaker, I thought he did a really nice job. Uh, went long when, when he came to the ring with the, the uh, evangelical preacher microphone around his, uh, <laughs> his neck. I was like, oh boy, this is going to be, you know, he, he's really going to be settling in here. Uh, what, what did you think of the speech uh, that he gave? I mean, there was, McMahon said, I mean, he was the, the, the most worthy guy in the, the history of the Hall of Fame. So there were very high expectations about what that moment that that speech was going to be. Uh, did this live up to it? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, I, thought he did great. I, I mean, if, if you're if there's ever going to be somebody that you just say, you take as much time as you want. Right. This is the guy. I mean, there's a reason that Vince was the one to induct him. I mean, look, um, you can say what you want about other people that were like no brainer induct the inductions like Hulk Hogan, Bruno San Martino, you know, certainly Stone Cold Steve Austin. But the, the, the thing with Undertaker is he's the ultimate um, high watermark, best case scenario of a pure WWE product, you know, never left, never went anywhere and came back always at a top level, a character that succeeded beyond anyone's expectations, completely loyal, never not, you know, a main event player. I mean, he, for 30 years, that's the reason that Vince McMahon comes up there and does your induction speech. Like he is the best case scenario in that, in, in Vince McMahon's mind, especially, and you know what? I, I thought it was a very good speech. It would be one thing if it was boring as hell and he's going for 50 minutes and I'm, you know, but I thought it was very engaging. I thought it was, you know, it was so nice to see him be himself and, or at least not be the undertaker and, you know, talk from the heart and, and really talk. And I, I think that ovation I personally have not seen anything like that ever in wrestling to that degree. I, I believe it was about 15 minutes long of a standing ovation where he couldn't even talk. Yeah. Um, that was incredible to me and also well, well deserved. And then we got to get on Saturday night and again on Sunday night. Yeah, I, I was in the bathroom on, on Sunday when I heard the Undertaker's music playing and I just assumed they were replaying the video from the night before. And, and I come back to my seat and there's the Undertaker entrance again. I was like, wow, this is the third night in a row that I'm, I'm <laughs> seeing this. Uh, but yeah, I thought, I mean, so much to cover. They're, they're over a 30 something year career. You could always nitpick. Uh, he didn't address this. He didn't thank this guy. That Foley. guy. <laughs> Foley. You know, the one that I thought actually my, my son brought it up and um, I think he's right of, of all the people. And again, he can't cover everybody, but he, he, uh, singled out, uh, a triple H, uh, who else did he, he thank, uh, Sean, Sean. Yeah. The, the, the one who was, I, I would have liked for him to mention because he was there and in the front row was AJ Styles, you know, not that they had this amazing long history, but this guy gave you your final match and, um, it was a real memorable match. 
And, uh, you know, it's nitpicking, but it would have been nice if he, if he acknowledged um, sure. uh, that moment. Uh, but, yeah, and I thought it was nice that he took the uh, – it, it was almost like um, – uh, uh, what do what they call the um, – uh, uh, those speeches, that's like the life coaching speeches. Uh, 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 I forget, but but that's you mean like Tony Robbins, yeah, something, something like, that? like yeah. that. You know, the, yeah, and are, you know what? He tried to say some inspirational things. That's what good, it was. Good I mean, for him, yeah, good for him. Yeah, yeah, more it than was, just pat yourself on the back. I mean, sort of right. forward. Yeah, and it yeah. was he obviously put a lot of thought into it. It wasn't just look. No offense to people. Look, I mean, this is an emotional moment. You get up there and you're overwhelmed, and it's a human response. But in his, but to give a speech that is well constructed you've thought about it you want to make the most of this moment you want to give people a positive message what in the world is wrong with that right. i mean i thought it, it was great constructed but didn't feel scripted i mean it was it was right. clearly uh something that he thought of um but but it also felt heartfelt um and sincere what i was thinking was a uh, ted talks that's what it felt like it felt like <laughs> uh, talks, yeah. like undertaker ted talks yes, yes um definitely. uh but but uh really good and and i you know i thought him Wait, singling um, out his uh wife and all that was great al i have to say i'm sorry please forgive me for this but i think it was actually a dead talk <laughs> sorry <laughs> sorry everybody that was worth the interruption <laughs> Um, as far as the rest of Hall of Fame, you know, I, I thought it was it was they basically did a nice job. They tried to keep him short, which I thought was fine. I mean, other years they they were so out of hand. Uh, I thought the Steiners did a nice job. Um, you know, uh, again, it 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 felt sincere, uh, abbreviated, but they hit on the strong points. Uh, Queen Charmella was what it was. I mean, I think she was very much scripted. It was wow. fine. Um, the uh, Vader, they didn't do very much. They, they got through that pretty quickly. Uh, I, th I thought um, the, the Shad Gasper thing was was uh, really emotional. And I know being yes. in the building, I mean, I saw people crying all, all over the place. Uh, I thought a really nice moment. You know, people have always had some issue with that warrior ward and the whole notion of a, a guy <laughs> like Shad, who by all accounts really was uh, a special human being. And you, you, um, you know, the, the award for him is named after the warrior who <laughs> it's a whole other conversation, but, but, right. but, but you can, um, debate whether he is the right guy to name that award uh, over, but, but nevertheless, that was a really nice moment. And I just, I mean, I looked at that kid and like, God, that's gotta be so much for this kid, this moment. Yeah. Um, and he, you know, he was so composed. It, it was very, very cool. So, uh, overall, yeah, I also, I mean, just I'll mention for a second, NXT on Saturday afternoon, I went to fun show. I thought that was NXT's uh, best show since, uh, the rebranding. It was nice to see them in front of, something of a crowd i think there was probably three thousand people uh there ladder match was great i don't know why you'd have uh a ziggler win that just to lose it on raw a couple nights later so i questioned that but but real quick what what did you think i don't know if you saw it or any I thoughts on, on yeah any thoughts on that show i saw it and you know i couldn't understand why ziggler won on that night even if ziggler didn't lose it on raw i still wouldn't be able to understand why yeah he why he didn't lose it to Breaker on the pay-per-view. You know what? I, I I thought it was okay, but it was a very sobering reminder of really, honestly, how they have totally uh, neutered this brand and, and taken away its viability as a standalone brand. Like, it really is truly now just a feeder system to the point where I... I 
I wonder why they even bother having it on this like globally televised platform. It almost just feels like they have to now because they've got into these TV deals that they can't get out of. And it just, it's okay, but it, the, the, the magic of NXT, what was special about it is dead. It's just dead. Yeah, I mean, I, I've gone, I remember going to the NXT TakeOver in New Orleans the night before WrestleMania uh, that year, and uh, it had such a, a a big show feel. I think that was Gargano and, and Ciampa, one of their uh, matches. That might have been the match where Gargano finally won the belt, and uh, I think better than WrestleMania the next night. And I think you talked about that, that being one of, kind of being uh, sticking in McMahon's craw o- over the years. Yes. Uh, but but really so removed from that. I mean, this was uh, in the afternoon, a very kind of sleepy atmosphere. I never, you know, going to the bathroom, into the merch stands, um, the, the, the lobby was empty. I, I had my tickets and it was, I don't know if this ever happened to you, you go and you um, give your tickets to the ticket taker and they send you to a table to trade you in for better tickets because they need more people uh, below uh, because there weren't that many people. And again, it was respectable. It was whatever it was, maybe 3000 people. Um, but, but so, so far removed from what, right. what those NXT takeovers used to be. They've completely lost that loyal NXT fan base, um, which seems to have been a weird decision to make because that's clearly what they wanted to do <laughs> they've lost that fan base those fans are now strictly watching aew and ring of honor i mean that's yeah. it yeah that's what happened absolutely uh so i think that's about it i mean i had a, a great time always super fun um you know my kids are already talking about the hollywood next year and hopefully we could do it it, it was uh, uh just a blast of a weekend they kind of brought back uh fan access i mean i just mentioned it they called it superstar access and it was um just a huge store this is again the brilliance of wwe you have to pay to get into the store so you have to buy a ticket for the opportunity to go inside and buy merchandise uh and I, I you know i was joking with my kid about it the night before like how ridiculous it is that you have to buy a ticket to go inside uh to the store and he goes but you're doing it right and i was like yeah of course we're doing it. and and let's not forget the <laughs> store right <laughs> let's not forget the store that is staffed by volunteers who are not i heard paid. that yeah that i don't know if that was everybody but th- it was clear that there was some of that and it was definitely a different uh business model than in the past because right you paid to get into the store and then um, inside the store, there was all kinds of, it was almost like um, a, a carnival kind of thing where, where then you had to pay per attraction. So uh, there were, you know, I think there was like um, the where, where you came into the ring entrance and, and different stuff. And, and they were all separate admission that you had to pay for. So I don't know how well that went for them. One thing that was sort of funny was that there was a whole exhibit for uh, Alexa Bliss where you could um, uh, like ride on her swing or whatever, that whole thing. And the place, this was Sunday afternoon. So the place was pretty hopping, not a single person. I mean, like the, the people working that, um, that, that, that uh, feature was just, they're just by themselves waiting for somebody to come around. So um, hopefully this kind of reminds me of, of Bray White last year, where I think that was a signal to them that this isn't working. Hopefully mm. it was, uh, yeah, basically the same gimmick and, and maybe set the same signal that this was not working. Uh, but Dallas looked great. I, 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 I get why they went back there. Um, the building is so huge, uh, and awesome. Um, I think two nights is the way to go. It, it, 
you know, it both nights went by relatively quickly, four hour shows. Um, I think indoors is the way to go. We didn't have all the concerns about rain or any kind of weather. The downside is that the the pyro inside the building is a lot more muted and you don't have the uh, the the jet fighter flyovers, all that stuff. Uh, but again, you, you know, you're able to put on the show without a, a rain delay or anything like that. So, um, yeah, uh, uh, excited already about uh, what next year will look like. Yeah, and maybe maybe you'll get to see uh, Roman and The Rock. Who knows? Hopefully, live. yeah. Brian, thank you so much. Uh, I know you had some news about uh, the book this week, right? Yeah, so it's it's here. I mean, uh, judging by when when this uh, comes out, probably not long after we're recording it right now, but um, it's April twelfth. The book is Blood and Fire: The Unbelievable Real Life Story of Wrestling's Original Sheik. As I've been saying, it's the first biography of the original Sheik, Ed Farhat who I call the greatest heel in the history of wrestling. And um, yeah, like the pre-orders have been through the roof. It was ranked number one wrestling among wrestling books on Amazon. People have been telling me they're already getting copies even before the date of publication. I got my own author copies. Finally, they look beautiful. I've been, I've been sending out to some of the people that helped me with the book and I'm just really proud of it. We're having a, a release party in Fairfield that the audio book's going to be coming out in the summer. So it's a very exciting time. So I hope, you know, if people are interested in old school wrestling and characters like the Sheik and want to learn about the life of somebody who protected their personal life so, so religiously for so long, um, I think it's going to be a fascinating read. I hope people enjoy it. Absolutely. And fans could listen to your uh, other podcast where? Yep. So it's Shut Up and Wrestle. That's my podcast. And it's part of the Arcadian Vanguard Network. You can get it really wherever you get podcasts like Podbean and Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts is where you can find it. We just, uh, in fact, the episode that's coming out in this coming week when the book comes out, episode 11, I've got Rob Van Dam on the show because Rob did the forward for the Chic book. So it's um, the theme of the podcast is is old school wrestling, which is really, I'm thinking mainly like kind of 20th century. <laughs> it's my cutoff yeah. point or, you know, turn of the century. And uh, it's just different guests every week. And we talk about whatever their area of interest may be. You know, we've had like Dr. Tom Pritchard on. We've had the Blue Meanie on. Of course, Stu Sachs was my first guest. So it's been it's been super fun. I'm, I like I keep saying I'm going to have all you guys on eventually. <laughs> you, Kevin, Reg, I want to have everybody on at at some point. So I'll have nicer things to say about the Ultimate Warrior. Nice, on your we podcast. could do <laughs> we could do a warrior themed episode. It'd be great. <laughs> yeah, uh, oh, because oh, you mentioned Rob Van Dam was at the Hall of Fame, and and it's always one of the cooler things about the Hall of Fame ceremony is seeing the the wrestlers and their spouses and all that stuff. And when he came out, I don't know if he was ever on TV, but he got the biggest pop of of all the guys who were seated at at ring side and also one thing that i just thought was sort of funny was um uh so his name is reginald right uh, uh, the, the 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 guy who is now in love with who dana brooke right yes reginald uh, yeah right who proposed to her and, and that's the whole tv storyline he comes out at the hall of fame seated next to who i suppose is his spouse or somebody <laughs> <laughs> it's like a way way to drive home the uh, the storyline kayfabe brother kayfabe <laughs> yeah anyway uh this is a lot of fun thanks so much uh brian thanks everybody for listening and uh we'll be back soon